Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. A little bit uh, hoarse here today. I unfortunately was sick over the weekend while that K- that Oklahoma State game was going on. So not only did I get to deal with the end of that game, which was just a crap fest for Kansas fans, but also got to deal with being sick. But to help me talk about this game, and so hopefully I don't lose my voice entirely before the uh, Big 12 Media Days that are coming up tomorrow and Wednesday, it is Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle. How you doing today? Well, I'll, I'll rant and rave for an hour for you so that it, it protects perfect. your voice. So, yeah, perfect, I perfect. got you. Man, so let's go ahead and get started. I mean, you know, this was a game. I don't know which one's the bigger the bigger story here, honestly, whether it's the way the defense played, especially early in this game, um, or just the complete collapse at the end by the offense. Which which one do you want to rip off the Band-Aid and get over first? <clears throat> it's got to be the defense. Right. It's got to be the defense. You are, they made, this is no disrespect to Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State had not scored 30 points in a game this season. They, Alan Bowman was completing less than 60% of his passes, like to the point where like you don't really see it that much. They continue to make opposing running backs look like, Reggie Bush and now Ollie Gordon is legit good. He is he is an NFL prospect. He is very talented. That being said, like it, even you know Jaden Nixon got some carries or some other you know they just the the off the defensive line. Honestly, what it looked like is that um, there was just not nearly as much fight as Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wanted it more. They were getting better push on both sides of the ball and we'll on the, in the trenches, we'll get to that on the offensive side. <clears throat> no one wanted to wrap up on defense, refused to capitalize on uh, potentially big plays in terms of creating turnovers. And this team can't stop the run right now. And what we have talked about was that you don't need to be great. You need to be 
average on defense and you will win a lot of games. This is one of those games where I think the offense did enough. We can talk about the ending, but I think the offense did enough considering even starting 14 points in the whole six minutes into the game. That's one of those where if you get a B performance from your defense, you win that game. And there were just no answers. And they made a, up to this point, just completely like looking at the, the facts and the stats, a pedestrian level, a very average quarterback look very good. And an offense who had yet to score, even when you're talking about playing Central Arkansas and, and uh, or I guess Southern, Southern Alabama and, and some of these other teams, you they could not even get across 30 points. K-State, they had one offensive touchdown and the defense just gets gashed over and over again. I, I understand we'll talk about a lot of different things with the offense, but for me, it's, you know, it starts and ends with the defense right now. Yeah. I mean, the biggest issue for me, I honestly wasn't even the rushing offense right, or the rushing defense, because you can win a game like that when you have a quarterback like Jason Bean, you know, who played as well as Bean did. Um, if the only thing they have going for them is the rushing game, like if, if, if Ollie Gordon's going to pick up 175 yards, you know, and they rush for a total of like 220. If you can stop the passing game from getting going, you win that game because it takes a while to do that on the right, on the ground. You know, it took him 30 or 29 carries to get those 168 yards. So it's not like, you know, it was a, a bunch of 75 yard, you know, there was like three 75 yard runs or anything like that. Like this was a slow slogging offense for Oklahoma state, but you let them get tons of just huge plays over the middle. You know, there was a 50 yard pass, a 40 yard pass, you know, Ollie Gordon did have one 42 yard run, but for the most part, like Oklahoma state was not moving the ball extremely quickly. They were just being able to, you know, get string plays together like time after time after time. And we saw that, like we saw when BYU did that, right. And it was too little, too late. We saw when UCF did that, when they were like, you know, take seven minutes on a drive, you know, halfway through the third quarter when they were down by four touchdowns. So like, you can have a successful team that gives up a bunch on the ground as long as you don't let them also get it through the air. And that's what this team did. Alan Bowman, you're right, has looked pedestrian at best. And the fact that he was able to throw for 336 yards and two touchdowns, and most of that came in the first half, it was just ridiculous. Um, you know, we look on the other side, and of course, Jason Bean had a great first half as well. And But I, honestly, I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about um, someone needs to figure out like why the heck does this defense have so many problems on the road? Um, because this is a completely different defense at home versus on the road. And I don't know what it is. You know, they start off really poorly on the road. It almost like it takes them, you know, a full quarter to figure out what they're doing. And sometimes they, they, you know, are able to, to claw it back and other times they're not. And the, the Nevada game point. on the road was a lot worse than it had to be because the defense struggled to stop a, you know, an awful Nevada team, Texas, you played fairly well, I think in that first quarter because Texas shot itself in the foot after a, you know, ridiculously quick, you know, drive down for their first drive. But this defense, for whatever reason, takes a lot of time to get going on the road when they don't on the, when they don't at home. Yeah. There, you think about the aggressiveness to start the game with like the BYU game and the UCF at home and some of these big plays, there's just, they, the defense was getting bullied out there and they were getting manhandled by, by the front of Oklahoma state. And I think even Lance Light pulled after the game said they were more physical than us, but that's not what you see at, at home. I don't, I mean, obviously I'm sure the crowd plays a big factor, but like, you know, 
Kobe Bryant made a couple of nice tackles in space, but you don't you you don't see him flying around making big hits necessarily to start this game like like you do in some of the home games. So yeah, it's a um, it's a concern. It's a good thing that Oklahoma is coming to Lawrence in two weeks. Um, but if you can't wrap up and you can't stop the stop the run and let a quarterback who is known to be inconsistent not even this year like for his whole career like accuracy and high completion percentage had not really been his thing he just looked like there was it looked like there was no pressure out there it looked like he was just playing catch for most of the first half and even sometimes some of the the second half the receivers were just getting way too much room I don't think and, and it's not one of those things where Texas has guys who you know and have known for a while. And again, this is like, you know, Presley's been around for a bit at Oklahoma State, but these are not guys that anyone, like if we took a poll of KU fans before the game, just gave a list of 10 names and said, three of these are Oklahoma State receivers and seven of these are just random people. Can you name the three that are, are the Oklahoma State receivers? I don't think they probably could. And yet these guys were out there just making the defense look just like they, again, it was it was almost like a, I mean, it was sloppy, obviously. Uh, the, there was poor technical finishing on wrapping up and all that. But even then, it was just – they just looked like they didn't want to be there nearly as much as Oklahoma State did. And and that's one of those things you just don't see that, to your point. In the booth, they look like they're the most amped up people in the entire stadium. And that just has not happened in a, in a now a three-game sample size on their own. Yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point where you just pick them to win at home because they're at home and you pick them to lose on the road because they're on the road, which isn't a great way for a team like this to, to finish out because, you know, they've been a good team this year. Um, they just need to be able to do it. I mean, like, yeah, you would take it because that's three more wins. You win eight and four, you, you go eight and four on the season, but I have to think going on the road and losing at Iowa State and going on the road and losing at Cincinnati are going to be two fairly disappointing losses if that actually happens. But I haven't seen anything from this defense to make me think that they're going to be able to stop, you know, um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I just completely blanked on the name of the Iowa State quarterback. It's all right because I don't think I'm the only one, but Jarrell Brock. No, Becht. Yeah, Rocco Becht. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking Jarrell Brock. Um, but yeah, Rocco Becht. Um, and you know, and then the, the Cincinnati quarterback, like I would not expect Kansas to have those sorts of struggles with those two teams. Um, but the way they've been playing on the road, I just, I just really don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with the defense. I mean, and they definitely made adjustments in the middle of the game, but for whatever reason you get to that second quarter or that, that second half there. And you know, yes, you can talk about, you know, beans, two interceptions and how that was a big issue and how that might've killed some momentum, but you had been finding good ways to stop Oklahoma state up to that point, And then all of a sudden you can't really do much to stop them. And I don't know what the problem is. And I don't know why it was such a big issue, but um, something has to fi- get fixed during this bye week um, or else this team is going to struggle whenever they go out on the road, no matter who it is. And, yeah. And maybe, and I get that, especially up front, there are some injury issues right now. I mean, Hayden Hatcher, even though uh, Jeremy Robinson played, he was and made an impact for a little bit. He was hobbled all week. Um, I think I saw even Austin Booker maybe was getting some treatment on the sideline at one point in the game and not even on the defense, like Lawrence Arnold had to get his ankle taped. You know, there's, I think that by, by is coming at a good time, but you could definitely tell that that, that pressure on the quarterback was missing because there was, you know, Bowman, part of the reason why he was able to do it is because he just had all day back there to throw. Um, And let's, let's hope that it comes up to it with some injuries, you know, exacerbated it a little bit more than maybe it would normally, but that, yeah, that's just a, 
Oklahoma State has not been a offensive like the offensive prowess has been gone for most of the year and they got it back against Kansas. And you don't ever want to be the defense where you give a floundering offense life and make it look like it's on a level that it hasn't been performing at all year long. That's, that's pretty debilitating. Yeah. Like the hope is at this point that Oklahoma state actually puts together a good season. So you can justify, you know, this is why we got beat by them at their house, but you've got to win you know, a few games coming up. I mean, I still think that this is a team that could challenge Oklahoma and could have put together a really good game plan and pull out a victory. Like that's still a possibility, especially at home, but the defense has to get better. Um, You know, I, I, and I think everybody knows that it's not like this team, you know, yes, I will, I will chalk up some of the issue to Hayden Hatcher being out, um, you know, and Jeremy Robinson being kind of hobbled, but there are plenty of other guys, you know, Austin Booker took some time to actually get going in this game. And honestly, I didn't actually see him out there until probably about midway through the second quarter. Um, but like gauge T gauge keys, he had a couple plays early in the game, but I didn't really see too much from him towards the end of the game. There's just, it seemed like people were off and not really where they were supposed to be. And again, I hope the, the explanation for that is just, it was a bad game and it was, you know, something weird was going on and you were trying to, you know, fill all the holes with everything, but all right, let's, uh, let's jump over though to the other side of the ball because, you know, the offense struggled at the very beginning, but as we've seen multiple times, this team gets down and then the offense kicks into gear. And this is something that happens on the road a lot too, where they, you know, they, they have some issues in the first couple drives and then they kick it into gear and mount a huge comeback. Like Kansas was down, were they down 14, nothing, or was it 10 to it was 14 nothing. nothing. That's yeah, right. With seven seven minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah, so just like, you know, on the road against West Virginia and on the road against uh, Houston last year, they went down 14 nothing and they were leading at the half. Um, you know, this is a team that comes back all the time. But for some reason, it takes them a while to get going. Now, once that actually happened, I mean, Jason Bean, with the exception of the last couple drives, put together a massive performance. You know, five touchdowns with four of them coming in the first half. Um. You know, I'm not really sure, though, what to think about this team because, you know, yeah, they got the the first touchdown coming out of the halftime, and then it was interception, interception, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, and that was it. So, like, I don't really know what happened in this second half that the, that the offense just completely floundered. And I don't think this is on Jason Bean. I was seeing a lot of that. And, and the reason is is because I think if you take his stat line – and say, look at this anonymous quarterback, the team lost. Do you think it was his fault? And, and no one – And I, I – okay, well, my uh, my ESPN is apparently playing <laughs> an ad all of a sudden. Uh, if, you, if you just give his stat line to someone else and say that, they're not going to say it's his fault. And the reason why it, it validates that is because his stat line most resembled one other recent KU performance – that had very dress, and it was a loss, by the way. Both of these these quarterbacks had a sixty seven percent completion rating. Both of them had five touchdowns. Both of them had over four hundred yards, and both of them had two interceptions. I'm talking about Jason Mead on Saturday, and I'm talking about Jalen Daniels in the Liberty Bowl against yep. Arkansas. The Liberty Bowl, even in a loss, basically catapulted Jalen Daniels to be the offensive play uh, preseason offensive player of the year. And this game apparently is on Jason Bean for not doing enough. He did plenty. You, If you get 400 yards and five touchdowns, even with two picks, on 67% completion, the quarterback is not your fault. Uh, now, yes, 
he did not I, – I think one of the things we've seen between Daniels and him is that um, in certain crunch time situations where there's added pressure, some of the decision-making isn't quite as strong, and, and I get that. But also, this is another one where we're talking about the trenches. I've given the offensive line a lot of love over the last few weeks. Where were you guys? Because they were getting bullied. I don't know how many times – Devin Neal and, and Daniel Hyshaw got hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. And just because they're very good at, at taking contact and keeping moving would end up getting three or four yards, maybe out of it. Like there was nothing there. They uh, even, you know, Bean was scrambling quite a bit at the end. Um, it helps that one of the times that a cowboy was offsides uh, and literally running before the ball was snapped, but we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, this is, I think part of it was play calling the, the Total Necky in the in the first half it was doing a great job of of using you know they showed it on the broadcast of using Fairchild in that left tackle spot and then he's wide open in the seams twice you get touchdowns you know there's also some unfortunate ones where I, he he makes the right call on that deep ball to to Trevor Wilson and the wind's behind him and it just he overthrows him but he would have had there if if they don't call the personal foul on they called it on they said it was Devin Neal it was actually Luke Grimm at the end that drive continues and maybe it's something different. So the offense too, it's one of those things where so many missed opportunities, but like, I don't think you can put that on, on Jason Bean. Yes. You want some, a little bit better decision-making at the end, but he did enough up to that point. You're up by 12 or you're up what? 32 to 24 in the fourth quarter. You got to be able to close out that game. And the way that Kansas has been able to close out that game every single time this year is by running the ball down your throat and Oklahoma state, just like the Kansas defense, made a pedestrian Oklahoma State offense look great. The Kansas offensive line made a bad rushing uh, defense in Oklahoma State look really good. Oklahoma State has gotten gashed. They just got gashed for 220 yards against K-State. South Alabama ran for 200 yards over Oklahoma State, and yet that offensive line can't get any sort of push to get Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw more yardage. So if we're taking blame pie on the offense, there's probably some play calling in there, but offensive line i've given them a lot of credit that one that i think that starts there for me they they were just getting no push they looked like they didn't want to be there the the defensive line program state was much more physical just the entire game and there was just nowhere to go and if you can get routinely get four or five yards especially on early downs with highshaw and neil open up the playbook for being on on third and short versus third and 12 and you know exactly where he's going to go that changes everything so i Jason Bean did everything he could have, in my view. Not everything he could have. He did enough. And if it was anyone else and it was the exact same results and that was Jalen Daniels out there, I don't think any of us would be blaming Jalen Daniels and saying he was the reason why that result happened. I think we'd be looking for other people to point our finger at that. Yeah, I mean, the difference between the Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean performances is literally just timing, right? Where Jalen Daniels had his mistakes early in the game, and then was able to mount a huge comeback, like huge comeback. Whereas, you know, Jason Bean played fairly well early in the game. And unfortunately, Oklahoma State was able to come back um, because of some mistakes at the end. But like you said, like, I don't think those mistakes were all on him. There was, you know, he definitely could have gotten some more support from the offensive line. I don't even think that the 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 rushing game was particularly bad in this one. Like, you know, Devin Neal got five yards per carry. But when you have your quarterback, right, who's thrown, I mean, he had five touchdown passes that were all 30 yards or longer. When you're bombing them deep like, like, like that, and you can consistently get receivers behind the defensive cornerbacks and, and, and that defensive secondary, 
you take full advantage of that, which naturally reduces the number of times you get to rush the ball, reduces the number of rushing yards that you get. And I think the biggest problem was that's what they got used to. And then when the pressure started to get there, uh, they didn't really have a good way to pivot into the normal running game that they normally have. I, I do think, though, that this was kind of to your point, you know, the first uh, turnover on downs happened because of a Jason Bean fumble that was that was the pretty clear offsides. Um, I don't know how they missed it. There was two guys that were both offsides. And I again, I don't know how they missed it. They talked about it on the broadcast. The hit, uh, the late hit, quote unquote, late hit, I'm using air quotes here, on Luke Grimm um, that they called on Devin Neal. You look at it, the play was still going when Luke Grimm had that hit. It definitely wasn't Devin Neal. It, and then Luke Grimm, it was like the only guy that was in the area. And his hit was a block during the play. Like Devin Neal was not out of bounds yet. So you can't have a late hit there. So it was just horrible officiating. That obviously wasn't the re- the only reason that they lost, but it definitely contributed and, and helped things to snowball. So, yeah, that, that's one of those things with the officiating with me. It's it's my whole take on it is, and yes, like those were two egregious calls. I go into it assuming that the officiating is going to be bad no matter what. Like this, is especially true in basketball. Like the my take is that college basketball refs are going to screw over everybody at some point. You just wait your turn. So the, what you have to do is you have to make enough plays to negate it, basically, or to overcome it. And you've seen with Kansas basketball so many times, you know, obviously I'm not going to get any sympathy with people talking about calls because they're going to say Kansas gets all the calls. There's also lots of times where you go into a road environment and Kansas fans are harping like, oh, it's five on eight because of the refs. Well, Kansas, the basketball team makes enough plays to overcome that. And, and you can still talk about that. You still like – you those were in really bad spots and they were really bad calls. And I don't think there's any defense or argument against those calls. Like they, they impacted the game and they were bad calls, but you gotta, you have to make, you have to do enough beforehand to make it so that that doesn't happen in that spot, you know, and because it's happening everywhere. Like the refereeing is just the refs are humans and they make mistakes. If you watch the Sunday night football game last night, the last play of the game was probably defensive pass interference for a second straight time. They didn't call it. Giants lose. The Giants also completely bongled the first half at the end, and they basically ran the clock out on the one-yard line going into halftime. They messed other things up. Like, you you put yourself – Kansas was kind of like the Giants there and where they made so many mistakes and they left so many opportunities on the door that they let that opportunity happen where you're putting it in the hands of referees who are not always going to make the right call. So, yes, it was a bad call. Yes, they shouldn't have done it. But Kansas had so many opportunities to not put themselves in that situation leading up to that point, and they just they just couldn't get it done. Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't the reason. It was a reason, but it was not the reason that they lost. Kansas did plenty of things to lose that game on their own. So, all right. Well, anything or – you know what? One more – no. We'll finish up with this right after this break. Uh, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll, we will be right back on the Rock Jar Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No and we're back. I am here with Kyle Davis. We are unfortunately putting the finishing touches on a recap of this Oklahoma State game. Um, horrible loss. The one thing that we did not talk about that I honestly thought was a really. Um, you know, it actually had, I think, a huge impact on the final score of this game because it changed what Kansas needed to do down the end, and that was the special teams. Special teams struggled in this game one week after they were probably the star of the game uh, against UCF or one of the stars of the game against UCF because it's really hard to pick one. Um, you know, you had you had a, let's see, just a flat-out missed extra point. You had a bobbled extra point. You had... Um, you just had plenty the false of false start that went to the miss the bo- the bubble. Like you have the false start on the kicker. Oh, that's right. Yes, he gets it. He gets it blocked, which is a double whammy of of pain there. Yeah, yeah. There was just so many problems that that happened with the well, and and even the first one that he actually made that was a second one that he got to do because Oklahoma State was offsides, but Oklahoma State blocked one were a little bit offsides, but the guys that were offsides weren't the ones that blocked it, and then Seth Keller kicked another one straight into. Uh, so I'm not sure if there was something going on because he actually didn't finish the game in terms of kicks. Um, Owen Pepper Gerdes, I believe is how you say his name, uh, actually came in. I, I, I started joking because the, uh, the Liberty Bowl announcer, when he was there on the team and kicking for them, uh, actually called him Owen Pepper Gouda. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious. But, um, you know, he was finishing kicks in that game. I'm not really sure what happened with Seth Keller, but hopefully he's okay. But, the special teams is very up and down. I don't think I've seen them quite that far down this year um, so far. Hopefully it doesn't continue. But was was there anything specific that you saw with the special teams other than the fact that, of course, it seemed like they were kicking low? I mean, yeah. The, well, and the, the wind was a factor. And I don't know if Keller was trying to kick lower because of the wind, if he thought it was going to get carried. Maybe that was a strategy. I don't know. Um, it, it, but it, it's – it's definitely clear that the the kicking game just completely impacts the trajectory of the game because after you get it blocked and now you're down four instead of three, go for a two-point conversion twice, don't get it. And then ultimately, Oklahoma State, when they take the lead at the very end of the game, 36-32, if you have that first extra point attempt, you have 36-33. You don't need a touchdown when you're Jason Bean going down on that play, that or that drive that's ultimately intercepted. You need a field goal everything's different about the way that you strategize those play calls, that sort of thing. So it, it all, it all just kind of snowballed. And again, it was one of those things where it's just the theme of, of missed opportunities and poor execution. There was, there were so many chances to, and even some of the, you know, the kick returns and, and whatnot, like that was fine. The, the punting was all right. It was, again, it was really windy, but there's just, it was just a sloppy 
there's it was a mixture of sloppiness and just again uh, going back to just different sides of the ball, just a feeling that they just didn't want to be there nearly as much as Oklahoma State did, and you know it's probably a deserving loss, even though it's a frustrating one because of how they played because they just the Cowboys looked like they wanted it more in pretty much every facet of the game. Yeah, um, like you said, I think it was just a whole bunch of missed opportunities for them to put that game away, and they just weren't able to do it. However. Um, you know, nothing, nothing we can do about those missed opportunities, but you can avoid having your own missed opportunity by going to our sponsor here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage, uh, inspired clothing company that is local here to Kansas City. They want you to be the best dressed fan this entire season. You can do that by going and shopping their fantastic line of Kansas Jayhawk apparel. And if you happen to know people that are not Kansas Jayhawk fans, they have plenty of other good ones too. They have over 30 different schools, um, almost all of the Big 12 schools. Uh, sorry, Cincinnati. But they just dropped recently some absolutely fantastic bomber jackets that look, I am, you know, it's getting cold here. I am really tempted to go get one uh, if I didn't already have a really nice hoodie, uh, a really nice KU hoodie of theirs, then I would, I would think about actually going and getting one. But you can go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, that's T-E-N-1215. You can get 15% off of all non-sale items in your order. Again, that's not a one-time code. That is a whenever-you-want code. Head on over there, get stuff for you, get stuff for family members, get stuff for anybody you know that wants some amazing vintage college gear. Um, holidays are coming up, so you will probably want to order here pretty quickly if that's what you're hoping to give somebody. But again, charliehustle.com, promo code 101215. It'll get you 15% off of non all non-sale items over um, on the online shop. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right, so let's put football talk away. We don't have to do a quick preview because, hey, guess what? We're on a bye week. Probably, as you said, perfect time for a bye week. Really happy that we don't have to um, dwell on that loss too much because coming up this week is Big 12 Media Days. The basketball season is getting ready to get started. We are going to be doing a basketball preview at some point here in the next week or so. Um, but starting tomorrow is Big 12 Media Days. The women are on Tuesday. The men are on Wednesday. Let's start with the women. What is or is there something that you want to know going into this? You know, Big 12 women or I'm sorry, Kansas women were picked third in the Big 12 this year. They have three players that are on, you know, that were mentioned for preseason. You have Zakiya Franklin on the first team. You also have Tyana Jackson on the first team. And then Holly Kersgeter got honorable mention again. Um. What are you looking for? Like, are you expecting to hear anything about this? Or or what are your expectations for this Big 12 Media Day? I think one of the fascinating things about this team, because you mentioned the team that has been under Brandon Snyder the last couple of years has been the one that's been the hunter. They've started out with low expectations. They've, they've exceeded those expectations, making the tournament. Now you're picked in the top three. Like, how does the mindset and, and the approach to the season change if it does, because now you are one of those who has a bit of a target on your back. And you know, it's not like when you're, when you're the men have a little bit of different one, when you're the preseason number one team in the country and picked a you know, unanimous favorite to win. But this is a place that the, the women haven't been for a while where it's where you are considered one of the best teams in the league. You have um, a couple of, you know, like I said, like just, extremely good, well-respected players from throughout that league. And, and it's just a different target on your back than you're used to. I'm curious just how more, how that's going to look uh, as the season starts. I don't know if, you know, that I, I can, I can probably guess what the canned coach and player answers would be when you, uh, you ask the question, but that that's an interesting thing. And then also I'm, I'm really interested in 
uh, Samaya Nichols and her fitting in here because she is one of the more, or she is the highest touted recruit that Kansas has had in a long time, maybe ever. She is, from what I'm hearing, like overall initial kind of feedback is that she looks really, really good and is is playing really well and adjusting to the college game really well. I want to know, because you have this balance of you have all of these veteran players, players who came back for a fifth year, and then you add her to the mix. And I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated to see what that dynamic looks like and how quickly she's picking up everything to go and, and, um, just that extra, what her added to the mix, what does it look like that, that the team didn't have last year? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's going to be weird because they do have, they have four starters returning. Uh, the only one that they do not have is Chandler Prater who transferred and is down now at Oklahoma state. Um, you know, along with uh, 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 Iowana Iowa they both went down to Oklahoma State transferring. But, uh, you know, Kansas knew that they were going to have, I mean, you know, they won the, the WNIT last year. You knew that you were going to have a lot of those players back. I don't know if they knew for sure that they were going to have, like, uh, like, I mean, all of them back for the most part. But they definitely were prepared for a good showing here, a good, you know, bringing back a lot. And, and I do think that, there's a lot of respect around the league for what Brandon Schneider and this team has done. This is the year though. Like this is the year where they are looking to put it all together to get back and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament because you have these super seniors that have been together for quite a long time. Tyna Jackson in her third year, she has a really good shot at being defensive player of the year coming, or, you know, at the, at the end of the year, she has a legitimate case for player of the year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how she's able to put it all together. But I do think that this is, um, this is a team that has a lot, you know, and, and they were only missing a few things last year. I mean, I think they got for the most part, everything that they needed. They just had to deal with some injuries down the stretch that were, that ended up putting them in the WNIT. If they can avoid some of those upsets, right. And this is a big 12. That's a beast. It's going to be very difficult again this year when you're adding in teams like Houston and you're adding in, you know, a lot of other women's teams that are actually really good. So I'll be interested to see what they're able to do. Um, but you're right. Some, Samaya Nichols is is like the main person to talk about, but they had a pretty good recruiting class in general. It wasn't just Samaya Nichols. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they're working everybody in, how deep the rotation is going to look this year. Because last year, I think they were at their best when they were only playing six or seven players because all those players were involved. I think they're going to need to be, be a little bit deeper here, though, because they need to reduce that wear and tear. They need to really keep people healthy for the final stretch. Um, so... I'm not really sure what they're going to do, um, you know, for the second player on the inside because it was Tyana Jackson and then Chandler Prater who's playing all over the court last year. But I'm excited to see how they're going to go ahead and do it and how they're going to replace the pieces that are gone. All right. Uh, let's also really quick switch over to the men because, like you said, the men were named actually today, the day we're recording. Uh, they were voted as the AP number one preseason coming into the, to the year. Obviously, last week they were picked um, – you know, unanimous. Well, I guess not unanimously. There was one coach who decided, um, you know, one coach besides Bill Self because he can't vote for his own team. There was one coach who decided that the, the Jayhawks were not the team to beat. Um, I think Houston is the one that got the two votes. So I'll be very interested to kind of see how all of that plays out. But it looks like it's going to be an extremely competitive Big 12 again this year. But what are your thoughts on Kansas being overall number one? number one of the big 12 and the favorites to win it this year. 
Yeah, the fourth time in school history, they've been the preseason number one in the country. Don't look at what happened the previous three times. It's just going to bum you out. All three of them happened under the self era. Um, and I'll just say they they all three ended with the first weekend um, exits from the NCAA tournament. So it's time to break those vibes. But this is, a, this is an interesting one because I'm sure, um, well, you now have a uh, you now have a coach in a program that is free from all of the NCAA violation talk, and I'm sure that Bill Self is grinning from ear to ear. Just the fact that he doesn't have to answer any more questions about that, outside of maybe just like, "Hey, it's over now. How are you feeling?" Um, so that should be a weight off the shoulder. And this is an interesting one because um, it's a lot of new faces, but it's a not a not a deep team. And uh, I think a lot of the times what we found in the past. And even what we saw last year was you have a lot of uh, you have, you know, nine or 10 deep, especially some young freshmen trying to figure out who's going to play, who's not fighting for roles. Everyone wants a piece. Now you have a pretty clear cut eight and not a whole lot under that, which probably makes it easier from a, hey, know your role. Everyone's kind of aligned. But Bill Self's not one of them who's going to take off in November and December to make sure your your legs are under you in March. Like he's going to want to win every single game, and so I'm 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 interested to see that balance of. I think there's you know there's a lot of new faces. I, I specifically, I, I am fascinated to see how Johnny Furphy is adjusting to not only just college life but American. I mean that's just a it's a culture shock. It's yeah. um, everything that just the style of basketball from playing professionally in Australia to <clears throat> the collegiate game is just very different. And it's not like he had all this time where he got to be with them in Puerto Rico and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it does seem like this is going to be a tight knit group, it's, but it's just not a very deep group as of now. Stealth doesn't like to play uh, a lot of guys anyway, so maybe that doesn't matter, but you have also, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to hear his take on, the fact that you don't have a true round robin anymore in the big 12. So you have this weird schedule. Plus you've got all of these new faces. Obviously Houston is the biggest one, but um, you know, BYU is no slouch as a program uh, historically. UCF is not going to probably be good. Cincinnati's in the rebuild, uh, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see the, the kind of, yeah, the, as we started, it's an interesting kind of um, new era this year. Right, you, you're you're away from the violations. You kind of put that behind you. You've got this new Big Twelve where you got some new people in. Now you got Texas and Oklahoma with one more rodeo before they head out, and then you got more coming in. You've got you know you've got your three tenants, but then you've got a bunch of new faces. So it's just interesting to see the navigation of of how Bill Self plays that, and and just kind of I think the other thing is again we talked about this before, but he has his pieces are so versatile that he can tinker and put guys in different spots and run different things. And I, there's a really good piece by CJ Moore in the athletic today talking about Hunter Dickinson and his adaptation and, and using him and KJ Adam together and how in practice, Bill will just have, have them run something where KJ is the four and, and Hunter's the five, and then they'll switch it and have Hunter be the four and KJ be the five and just the different things that they're doing. I think, um, you know, that, that article alluded to how much fun self was having, like playing chess with thinking of play design and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that he's got a interesting challenge here. And I think between the violations and everything else, he's in the, he's an incredibly motivated man right now. And so that just, that, that leaves no shortage of, of talking points and storylines going into the season. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait for that to get here. Yeah. It's funny. Cause we talked about, you know, how, 
man, he was killing it on the recruiting trail and how everything was, you know, fantastic there. And he was probably in his best form recruiting wise. But now you don't have the, you know, you, you, you escape any kind of major punishment for the, for the, um, you know, the, the IARP stuff. You don't have to, you know, serve any more suspensions. There's no possible postseason ban. I, I forget who it was, but said, can you imagine, you know, this is the first time in six years that a, a Kansas player has been able to wake up and not have to worry about the fact that, you know, they, there might be a postseason ban right around the corner. Um, you know, so this is, this has been a long ordeal. And I do think that while it did affect some kind of recruiting, I don't think it was nearly as effectful or as effect. It didn't have as big of an effect on this, on this team and the way that they did their recruiting as you would normally think one, because it became pretty clear pretty quickly that they were kind of dragging their feet on it. That was going to take a while. It didn't affect a lot of opportunities for people. And I think ultimately when, you know, Bill Self served that suspension last year and Curtis Townsend served those suspensions last year, like going into the year one, it ended up actually being extremely helpful for them later in the year when uh, you had to have Norm Roberts take over during the big Twelve tournament. But it also, I think just kind of, um, kind of set everybody at ease that, Hey, this is probably going to be the, you know, the end of the punishment. And even if he does actually have to go out for a few more games, cause they decide he needs to serve a few more Norm Roberts was able to, you know, take over for those games and they actually played really well. So, um, obviously you don't want Norm Roberts there long-term, um, you know, as kind of the guy for like an entire season or something, but as a, as a momentary fill in for a little while, you know, it it works really well, especially when you know that Bill Self is coming back. Obviously when Bill Self finally decides to hang it up and retire, then, uh, we'll have those discussions about who it, it is, but the way he's been coaching, the way that everything is trending right now, I don't have any kind of inkling that he is anywhere close to ready to retire. He's probably the most more, he's probably more energized this year than I've seen him in a really, really long time. The way that he talks, the way that he, you know, is attacking the press conferences and just really enjoying interacting with the people in the media. And you can tell that he really is enjoying the coaching that he's getting to do with this team, like you said. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to another great year for the Jayhawks. And, you know, we, we, like I said, we will have a full preview of the men's side, at least. Um, I'm hoping to do the women's as well. Looking for a guest there, but, um, you know, the men's side, like you said, they've got like eight or nine deep. They've got plenty of options and they have plenty of bench guys that can, you know, to find somebody that can step into a role that they weren't expecting to actually step into and figure out what they're going to do from there. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll get it figured out. Um, but there's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to having both a, you know, good football team that's enjoyable to watch and two great basketball teams that have real big opportunities to make some noise in March Madness. So looking forward to all of it. Kyle, any, anything you want to leave us with before we get out of here for the day? No, I think you said it well at the end there. It's about perspective, especially with football. I mean, three years ago, we would have killed to be complaining about a one-score loss on the road to Oklahoma State uh, and and being up for it. So I think, um, you know, it, it's now the, the pressure is on and the expectations are higher, but just, like, enjoy it. The, this is one of the stops along the road as you get to where you need to go. And that's it, it stinks at the time, but to be frustrated that you feel like you should have won a game that – that you dropped uh, on the road to go to five and two is just a place where I think if you go back in time and I tell 2019 year old me or yeah, 2019 me uh, who's been watching this team for the past decade, this program that like, no, I would take that in a heartbeat. So it, it you know, it's, it's important in times like these it, through all the frustration and the, uh, I guess venting you have to get out on social media or wherever you do it because you're frustrated that, We've come a long way for you to be frustrated this much by this result because a couple of years ago, 
we would have killed for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it on that note. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And, of course, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, or it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. It would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys. Get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any questions, you know, comments, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. And as was pointed out um, just the other day, when the new teams join, it will be the 10 states of the Big 12 Conference. But you can find all of those podcasts over at 1012network.com. Uh, great links over there. Make sure you guys visit our sponsors, uh, Charlie Hustle Clothing Company and also Price Picks. You can get some great deals with them with our promo codes over there as well. So that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.